Well, good morning, saints. So we are nearing the end of our series on wisdom, highlighting the perspective that Proverbs gives us. I'd like to remind us of some of the territory that we have preached through at the beginning of the series. We noted the precious words in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. In fact, I invite you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 6 or scroll simply because I want you to see it in your Bible. Jeremiah chapter 6. Verse 16, Jeremiah gives a timeless message. Yes, at the time for the Israelites, but it does not change from generation to generation. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, now we're not going to do that. That's just the postscript. The part I want you to focus on is the first part. You're at a fork in the road. Ask the question, which is God's way? Where do I find the wisdom that God has laid down for generations? As Jeff prayed, we don't want to be hearers of the word, but doers only. He said, where is the path so that I can walk in it, that I can order my life accordingly? Friends, there will always be a fork in the road. Always. There will always be a choice one way or another. In the small details of your day and also in the big picture decisions That you make in your life. One of those paths. God's path. Is the path of life. The other path. The wide one. Literally is a path of destruction. And heartache. And regret. Jeremiah reminds us to not be taken by the newest and the greatest or by the immensity of the wisdom that we perceive we have. He points us back to the wisdom and perspective that God has given us all along. Now, here's the thing about God's wisdom. It does not change. With all the technological advances we have made, and we're so thankful for so many of them, God's truth does not change from generation to generation. My friends, cultural ideologies will come and go in every generation, but God's word stands forever. My pastor always told us that God did not write his word with a number two pencil. So as to, boys and girls, or these things called pencils we used to use a long time ago, that an eraser on the other side. So as for him to flip it over and say, "Ah, I'm so glad you caught that mistake. Let me change that and write something different. 
God's word, God's truth stands the test of time. There's the big picture, which we'll get to later, of our eternal destiny. And there are so many small choices that we make each and every day of our lives. So here's the big idea for today. If you veer away from God and rely on your best judgment in the moment... There are both eternal consequences, speaking of the gospel at this point, and also most likely in this crowd, potential temporal heartache and headache that we would like to avoid. With that in mind, let's look at our verse for today. It's Proverbs chapter 14. I invite you to take your Bible and turn or scroll to Proverbs chapter 14. There was a very big part of me that just wanted to flash this up on the screen for a few minutes and then close in prayer because it's kind of direct. It speaks for itself. The scripture says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There really is not a whole lot to explain here because it is demonstrably evident to every single last one of us. What is Solomon telling us here? Flip a page or two, maybe three or four, to chapter three, verses five and six. You will recognize these words. Proverbs three, five and six. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. God tells us to not trust in our own perceived genius Because it's so natural and so human to do exactly that. We may not verbalize it, but what we're really saying is we know best and we know better than God. We have a tendency to go our own way, to be stubborn, to be obstinate, and to work things out in a way that seems right to us, particularly in the moment. A little audience participation this morning. Let's have a show of hands. How many of you have at least one instance in your life in which you insisted on your own way and it did not work out so well? Younger people in particular, just kind of look around. Hold the hands up for just a second, right? I mean, it's basically mostly all of us. You see, the older we get, the more we realize the truth to these Proverbs. We're so much better off doing it God's way to begin with. So let's be clear here. Even though we are born again, on our way to heaven, that does not mean we automatically get it right every time. 
You see, in between these pillars we call justification, which is when we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and glorification, when we make it home and are finally done with all of this stuff we're dealing with now, there is this long stretch, it feels long, called sanctification. When we become a Christian, we have a life before us of uprooting old habits and thought patterns and living a life worthy of the calling that we have received. This process that we call sanctification of God conforming us to the image of Christ from one degree of glory until we make it home is both painful and it is freeing. There is so much grace to be found on the other side as the Lord transforms our thinking and he renews our minds. My friends, it is always a good idea to rub shoulders with those a little older than you or a few steps ahead of you in life. Learn from their mistakes. Hear how God's grace was at work in their lives, how God helped them through difficult patches that sometimes was of their own doing. So here's... The punchline of this verse. It's very straightforward. In contrast to the one who seeks God's wisdom, who seeks to walk in God's wisdom, to live in God's wisdom, to live by God's wisdom, the one who shrugs it off and pursues her own path, his own path, can land in a world of heartache and headache. And regret. It's the fork in the road concept. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? Rather than place our confidence in our own heart. Why not lean on the infinite wisdom Found in God's world, or God's word. Take your Bibles and turn or scroll to Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one. Now, I don't need to tell you this, but the world is constantly telling you to listen to your own heart. God says, "Seek my wisdom." And follow my wisdom and serve me in that way. Psalm chapter 1 was the first passage that I ever memorized as a child. My grandfather sat me down and eventually had me recite this passage to him, word perfect. And it has served me so well over these years. Blessed, verse 1, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But, 
contrast. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Do you see all that is packed in in that second verse? His delight is in the law of the Lord. No one has to tell him to read his Bible. Because that's what his heart longs for. He loves it. And on this law, God's word, he meditates day and night. To meditate on God's word is to read it slowly, thoughtfully, prayerfully. To allow it to penetrate. It's not something we do in a hurry or in a rush. But we slow down and we allow the Lord to impress on our heart and on our mind the truths of his word. Which are always for our benefit. So I'll ask you this question between you and God. Was this you this past week? This whole past week since last Sunday. When have you pushed everything else aside to be alone with God in his word? This is for our own good, verse 3. That person, verse 2, in verse 2, verse 3 now, is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. God is using this person, bearing fruit, At the right time, its leaf does not wither. When adversity and hardship comes, he or she does not succumb to that. In all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like the chafe that the wind drives away. Why would we ever pattern our thoughts or our actions, or our life direction around those that the Bible says aren't even so. They're here today, gone tomorrow, the wind blows them away. What is David's message in this first psalm? Turn from sinful paths. Study, meditate, chew, and digest on God's word whenever you can. It will make your life prosperous. You will thrive. And I don't mean money maybe maybe not but that's irrelevant you will thrive as a person you will feel alive because you are rooting yourself on god's truth i remember preaching on this passage when pastor steve was leading us and a veteran christian leader thanked me afterwards and he said he needed to hear that Message. It wasn't about what I had said, but it was simply going back to this core truth of aligning our thoughts on God's truth and making time for him in our busy lives. Beyond our own propensity to go astray or to reap the consequences of our actions, maybe words that we might regret later on, We also need to be wise regarding the worldly ideologies that surround us. Are you being discipled and trained by Instagram influencers or by the word of God? 
Who is speaking loudest into your life and the most often? Is it God's timeless truths? Or is it your favorite political podcast? We need to use the Lord's word not only as our straight edge, but also to begin with God's word and let him form our convictions and transform our thinking and renew our minds. So I'd like now to tie in a New Testament truth regarding a key word in our sermon text. The word death. So let's make a gospel tie-in into this powerful concept. What Solomon tells us is true and by our own experience, extremely accurate. When we rely on our own strength, our own thinking, our own ways, apart from God, it never ends well. And those of us a little older, in our hearts, in our minds, are saying yes And amen to that truth. We often find heartache, headache, sorrow when we do it my way. In a general sense, many of us can see the simple wisdom before us. Seek to follow God's path of wisdom, self-control, and consideration of others. Imagine we all need to hear the good word to lean on the Lord and his wisdom and to not try to bulldoze our way forward in our own way. But now let us transition and examine this word death in the New Testament in a very familiar passage as it concerns the gospel. As Jeff prayed, we will be observing communion together. Seeking our own way and ignoring God will only harm us. The gospel has much to say to that in a more overarching manner regarding not only natural consequences here and now, but our very standing before God himself who is holy. Remember that well-known verse that Paul wrote to the Romans. Chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our propensity to make mistakes and choose our own path lie directly with the fact that our sin alienates us from the Lord. There's another key verse to the Romans that spells this out very carefully and shows us both the power and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we do not peddle the good news of Jesus to merely offer people a better life. Do you have problems? Come to Jesus so he can take care of all of them and make your problems go away so you can be happy and wealthy. No. The gospel makes no such promise. Jesus and the apostles told us plainly that life is full of hardships and disappointments. And as you follow Christ, 
persecution. The gospel speaks to the root of the issue, and that is why the gospel is such good news. But as Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, we need to be poor in spirit, humbled, before we can even recognize the beauty of the gospel. Remember Jesus' first words in his first recorded sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I'd like you to consider this great statement from Paul in Romans 6, verse 23. What I'm attempting to do here is to kind of tie in a key word in Proverbs 14 with a key word in the gospel itself in the New Testament, the word death. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In our everyday lives, to follow our own ways is often to land us in a big mess. But this statement is so much far more far-reaching than that. It has a judicial element. Death, or sin, pays a wage. It's what we get, a wage is what we get in return for something. When I was in college, I sold Christmas trees. I worked all day, worked hard, tried to make the customers happy. At the end of the day or at the end of the week, I got a paycheck. That money was because I worked for the guy who ran the Christmas tree farm. My wage was just that. I earned it. Now, the same is true with sin. Much is spoken regarding justice, but few speak to divine justice. The natural payment of sin is death. It is true that the payment, temporarily speaking, often includes, as I've said, headache and heartache and troubles and misery. But that's not the context in Romans 6. It's much bigger. The natural wages of sin is to remain under the wrath of God. Which John chapter 3 clearly tells us. And that is not a good place to be. If sin is not punished, then God is not just. And that cannot be because God is holy. But ah, the second half of that verse is absolutely remarkable. It is an unexpected twist. Salvation, eternal life, is offered in exchange for what we justly deserve. A gift. Saints, that is the simplicity, the beauty, and the power of the gospel all wrapped up into one phrase. God's justice is upheld because sin was punished. Jesus, the sinless one, takes that punishment for us. We exchanged our sin. He bore our sin to receive his righteousness. But note the complete contrast 
between the dynamic of sin and death and eternal life. One is a wage. You get it. You deserve it. It is 100% consistent. The other, the gospel, is not earned. It is not our efforts. It is not what we bring to the table, but it is freely given us through faith in Jesus Christ. Sin always requires death. Has your payment been made? Have you received the free gift of eternal life through Christ? Eternal life always has been and will never not be a free gift. Because we simply cannot earn it ourselves. Jesus paid it all. Saints, as we come to the Lord's table this morning, let us rejoice in the wondrous gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us live in light of eternity. Let us live a life worthy of the calling that we have received in Christ Jesus. And along the way, Let us gain a heart of wisdom. No more silly or selfish decisions that only lead to heartache and headache. Particularly also for the ones that we love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for eternal life. It is true and we're mindful of it. That you command all men everywhere to repent. Lord, help us to be good news to those around us. Quick to share the gospel with our neighbors, our colleagues, our friends, our family. Thank you for this wonderful reminder. That we are loved unconditionally. That Jesus truly bore it all on the cross. How can it be the son of God became sin for me. That I might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh Lord let us never take this for granted. Renew and refresh us. In the power and the beauty of the gospel. And the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Thank you even for the detail of being able to celebrate communion and partake together in this way that we have not done in years. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.